Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to uh, introduce you to two incredible people in our church. And before I introduce them, I'm just going to get uh, my wife, Kath Buck, up here. So if you want to put your hands together for Kath, that'd be great. Did you want to see her on the couch? Uh, I've asked if Greg and Jean Downton would join us uh, up here on the couch. So why don't we put our hands together for Greg and Jean? Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. These two are very special people and good friends of ours and many of you who are here tonight. And so it's just absolutely brilliant to have you with us. Really appreciate it. How are you feeling? Adjusting to the lighting and everything else? No, it's great. It's good. We pretty, used we're used to this. Oh. <laughs> are you used to it, Jean? Not at all. <laughs> See, it's not all about you, Greg. It's not all about you, mate. But uh, I'm going to ask uh, Kath just to throw the first question your way, and uh, that would be fantastic. Awesome. Well, I just thought, church, it would be great if uh, we actually asked Jean if she would introduce uh, Greg and herself and her family to us. So, Jean, I'm going to ask you, would you just tell us just a little bit about you sure. guys? Uh, Greg and I have been married for 30 years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, you don't look old enough to be married 30 oh, years. I know, I was a baby when I got married. <laughs> uh, we have three fantastic children, they're all adult. We have Matt and he's married to Lauren. And then there's Kate and we have, our youngest is Nathan. Awesome. And we've been coming here for three years or probably close to four yeah. now, I think. Wow. Yeah, so That's loving good. it. Awesome. Anything else? We can't think of anything else. Say you can give us your bank account number. Favourite colour? Blue. Ah. Any blue people out there? What's there yours, Greg? Pink. Uh, black, white and teal. Oh. <laughs> That's what I have to live with all the time. All the time. Are there any black, white and teal people out there? And can I just say, when we left tonight, they were winning. This is a massive sacrifice. Does anyone know the score? Have they finished? <laughs> oh, wow. Why are they you do. listening in church? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Take that tranny out of your ears. <laughs> uh, fantastic. All right. Uh, Greg, why don't you uh, just start by telling us some of your journey and how you came across the diagnosis that you recently heard about? Yeah, well, probably just over two years ago, um, I started having problems with my hand and it was really quite strange that I, at night, I, the, the thing that struck me, I was trying to move my pillow at night to get a better position and I just couldn't grab my pillow. I was just continually grabbing it and there was just nothing there. So I actually started in my hand and um, at the time I'd been cycling with Pete and a few of the guys here in church and just saying how I'd only started probably a few months earlier to actually cycle and get a bit fitter and and they just said, I oh, know it's probably to do with the fact you're an older bloke getting on a bike and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. But So I just thought it was just a natural thing of just having a hand problem because of the cycling. 
And um, after a few months, I said to Jean, look, this is not getting any better. If I could get an um, operation to fix this, well, that would be good. But if not, I could live with it. But it is quite a strange feeling and sensation in my hand. So the short of it is that probably a few months later, middle of the year, um, I went and saw my GP and he sort of looked at it and did a few minor tests and he said, oh, I think we need to send you to a neurologist. Now I'm, I'm thinking, well, okay, this is interesting. So went along to the neurologist, a few, took a couple of months to get in to see him and then from there he straight away, they did some basic tests on my, my hand and arm and they found that uh, there was nothing wrong with my actual hand and arm. So straight away the neurologist was quite... Um, yeah, he was quite concerned, and he straight away, he said, oh, look, we're, we're starting to talk probably some fairly serious stuff, so he said, we'll send you for an MRI, and what they do with motor neuron is that they actually have to cut out, or they check out whether uh, the things that you're going through, they've they got to narrow it down, that's the way that they actually and eliminate things. So I ended up going for three MRIs, and um, after the first one, he he sort of said, oh, look, there's, it's come back and, and there's nothing there. And it's like, yeah, well, that, that'd be right. There's nothing in the head. And, uh, <laughs> and I actually said to him, you know, what, what would you know? You're only a... Because he was talking about straight-eyed motor neuron, and I, I just said, oh, what would you know? You're, a, you're only a brain surgeon. And he thought that was pretty funny, but... Yeah, so after... <laughs> but after, after three MRIs... Um, and a trip to Sydney, we went to Sydney and had a specialised test there and the specialist there said, yeah, it can't be anything else other than motor neuron. Yeah. Craig, can you tell us, because we often hear MND or motor neuron disease, can you maybe just quickly explain what actually is that? Yeah, it's, you've got neurons in your brain that send the messages to all your muscles. So what motor neuron disease is, is those uh, neurons are actually starting to die so what happens is that's a progressive thing where over time you basically, all the neurons in your brain die. So what happens there is that your anything to do with muscle uh, stops working. Mm. So eventually what happens fairly quickly is you lose your ability to walk, um, use your hands. It, you basically become totally paralysed. Oh. Yeah, so even... Your voice, you can't talk, uh, you can't breathe, you end up on a breathing machine. Um, yeah, so it's not, the, not terribly brain, exciting. But the brain still keeps functioning yeah, that's, quite right. that's the hard thing with motor neuron. You can see people are quite badly affected by it, but their, their brain, they still know everything that's going on, they still understand everything, but they can't communicate, they can't... They just basically lie there and they can look at you and you can talk to them and they, they totally understand what you're saying, but they can't respond back. Wow. Can you also share this? You shared with me earlier the stats. I think that's quite yeah. interesting to know too. There's, it's actually quite a rare disease. There's around about 1,900 people Australia-wide that have it and around about 100 people in South Australia that currently have it. And they say that about two people are diagnosed every day and two people die from it every day. So wow. it's, quite a, if you call, it's quite a turnover. So... One of the things they find hard is testing things on people because they don't last too long, doing research and things on motor neuron and checking how people respond to certain drugs and things is, is actually quite difficult. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, obviously, you understand the disease a lot better now, but if I can throw this question to both of you just quickly, um, do you remember in those first few days, weeks, maybe even months, the things that were going through your mind based upon that prognosis and diagnosis? Well, it, it was, you know, when you're, you're told in your 50s that you've... It was tough. It was really tough. And the weight, the emotions, just um, the turmoil in your mind um, was quite incredible. But you still had to function and you still had a family and you had to work and you'd wake up in the morning and it was supposedly a normal day ahead and within five seconds you were aware of what you were living and you have to get up and I remember sometimes standing in front of the mirror putting makeup on crying my eyes out thinking I've got to last today I've got to last today how am I going to do this so the the mind was um, clear like we never blamed God, we never, um, oh, just trying to think, we just, but the body just let us down and, you know, I, I coped as best I could. There were days when I coped really well and other days where I just didn't and I've learned that that's okay um, and there were definitely things in place that helped me cope better and still now and I still have days where I think, where's this coming from? I should be okay, you know, it's... It, nearly two years later and I but I still find I struggle but then other days I'm great you know so it's it's a process I'm still learning how to cope but we still have that foundation we still know that God is God he never promised us that we would live together for the next you know for 90 years but he did promise that he'd never leave us Correct. and forsake us so yeah. And I, I think too, for me, not, it was only probably a couple of weeks after I was diagnosed that I was working at Tyndale Christian School as a groundsman there. And I just, I know God just come and spoke to me and I've been raised in a Christian family, been fortunate to, to have that. And I know God just spoke to me and he, he said, you know, you, you've been a Christian most of your life. You trust me, you believe in me. Let's see what, what you're made of. Right. And just see whether you still really trust me, whether you still uh, believe in everything that you know about me. Let's see whether you do believe that. And I didn't feel like it was a kick in the pants as um, God's, you know, saying, come on, but more of an encouragement to say, yeah. come on, you, you know me, you know what I'm like, you know that I love you, that I care for you. And it was just, it was overwhelming. I had to sit down and it was like, wow, God just almost literally heard him speak to me. That was really powerful. Wonderful. That's amazing. Can I just say, um, in asking that question and the way you've just answered it, I, I want to say that's something that inspires me. Yeah. And uh, one of the attributes and qualities of your lives that I just uh, love so much, because it's not just rhetoric, it's not just words, you've been very real. You haven't hidden your pain. You've been honest with us. Yeah. And uh, you conducted yourself in a manner that is just so commendable and uh, I just want to say thank you because you guys really are heroes to many here by the way that you're living your lives and uh, it's just really inspirational so thank you. Thank you. I was just going to, you started to talk about then, you know, we've just had coffees and chatted and, and we talk about 
how this has impacted your faith or affected your faith, um, which you started to talk, and you can talk into that in a moment. But, Greg, one of the things I really love is that there's a definite change in you that you see circumstances, situations, and people differently. Mm. Is that a right assumption? And do you want yeah. to talk into that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, not long after I was diagnosed, I had a mate of mine, Brad, said to me, you've got to, you've got to read this book about heaven. And uh, he said, it will change your life. And I thought, oh, okay. So I got hold of the book and the book's, the book's here. And um, I read the book and it actually, it's by Randy Alcorn, and it actually takes all the scriptures that the Bible talks about heaven. And any subject, he raises it and says, okay, let's look at what the Bible says about that. And after reading the book, um, I have to be careful what I say here, but it was pretty exciting thinking about what is ahead as far as eternity goes because he covers such uh, amazing stuff that's in the Bible that unless you really do a study on heaven, um, we, we, and for me personally, I, you know, I've been living my life and sometimes you actually forget about eternity and you forget about what is the real deal. And after reading the book, I've, I've basically come alive because I, I'm excited about the fact that eternity is there for us and it is going to be absolutely awesome. And I think sometimes, including myself, you get so caught up in this, the world with doing things and trying to live a good life here, but we actually forget about eternity and we forget about storing up our treasure in heaven. And the book has basically changed my life in that now... I'm, I'm always looking for opportunities and God is bringing along opportunities that we'll talk about in a little while to share with people about how awesome God is. And people, when, when you tell them that you've got motor neurone disease, because of the Neil Danaher stuff and people know about motor neurone disease now that they never used to, probably going back just a few years ago. And as soon as you tell somebody that you've got, they say, oh, so what do you do for a living? And you say, well, I've had to stop work because I've got motor neurone disease. They really, it's like, oh, you're serious. But on them, and a lot of people have actually said to me, so how do you, how do you cope with, with all of that stuff? How do, how do you get your head around that? And I know God just, particularly for non-Christians, I just say to them, look, I have a really strong faith in God. And I have a hope that no matter what happens to me in this life, that I've got eternity to look forward to. And it sort of blows them away a little bit because... I'm absolutely at peace with what's going on. I, I don't worry about what the future holds. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just out there telling people about how amazing God is. And, and when, when you've got something going on in your life, and there's probably lots of people here tonight that you've got stuff going on in your life, but you're able to then share about, you know what, this is going on in my life, like what happened to you last year, Tony, about this is what's going on, but you know what, I'm holding on to God because I know he's real. I know he exists, and there's just too many things happening for me not to say that there's a God. Even though I have motor neurone disease, I, I know that God is with me um, like I've never felt before. He actually has really opened a mission field for us, and I was not expecting that when we first started this, but um, we've become involved with the Motor Neuron Association, they were well, even just the people in the office there we're really good friends with and then the people that we've become friends with through that uh, we've 
Greg visits. I have a few times, but it's a bit hard while I'm working. And just um, the doors that are opening there, the the opportunities even there. I mean, a few of them have the Heaven Book. And um, and Greg goes in and he talks to these people, some of them just freshly diagnosed and they are in a really bad and dark place. And they, regardless of their upbringing, regardless of what they believe, they are thinking about death because it is the worst diagnosis a neurologist can give anyone. Our neurologist said to Greg, I want to give you anything, any other condition, but I don't want to have to tell you that you have motor neuron um, because there's nothing. There's nothing anyone can do for it. And your body slowly declines, or in some cases it's quite rapid, but fortunately for Greg it's been slow. And it's been described as a powering down to the point where you can't breathe and you can't eat and it's just it's cruel but through it um, sometimes sometimes I'm actually quite excited about what's happening um, and it's it's great and they're the days I'm coping well um, and you know when the people that we've gotten to know and we and bump into and we've had so many God moments that it's just quite incredible. It is a mission field, and we haven't had to sell our house and go overseas, which is good. <laughs> Jean, I want to ask you, you started to say um, you had some things in place that have helped you, because often, you know, we talk, we hear it's Greg who's been diagnosed with the illness, it's Greg who's having these physical, but they're, you, two are one, so you are walking this journey through, so there's an impact on you and I'd like you to just talk to us about that how you've coped and and one of the things you said was you had some things in place and I'd love you to just share with us what some of those things are that'd be great sure um right even before Greg was diagnosed I just started journaling and I don't know why I've never done it before in my life but I started doing it and I have found that extremely helpful. I read back every now and then and I put everything in there um, and encouraging, encouraging words, um, people and just everything. And I, I find that really helpful. Um, having family and friends is really good. Having a core group of friends is really, really important. Um, those people I call my safe friends that I can offload. And I know there's two of them here tonight. You know, just you, they're always there. They've got your back all the time. And they that, that helps you cope a lot. Um, you absolutely have other friends. And, you know, this church community has been awesome. And that's another coping mechanism, um, having a community, a church community that you can um, fall back on is fantastic. Um, also, there's nothing wrong with seeing a counsellor or a psychologist. It's absolutely has, has kept me on track. But I also think the other thing for me was um, I had to learn how to put fear out of my mind yeah. because... Greg talks about having an absolute peace about eternity, and that's fantastic, but I I just started... It was too easy to start fearing the future, fearing what was coming up, um, you know, just all of that. And so what I had to start doing was just taking one day at a time. Yeah. Right back at the beginning, it was just, today he's good, I'm OK, let's just keep it at that and not worry about 
the rest. Um, I can do a, a week. I can even do a month now. And we do have short-term goals. We have, you know, we're going away. Um, so we, we might look six months down the track, but after that we're just very careful not to plan or start thinking too much because the reality of the condition can cause me to break and I, d I don't want to do that just yet so well not at all sorry not at all but ever so though yeah they're the f few things that I've found are helpful. Could you tell us what it is that we could do and what it is that we could not do that would be most helpful when dealing with and talking to people who are suffering and going through what you're going through because if, if we're honest a lot of time people don't know how to respond or how to act or they don't know what to say and usually in our clumsiness we do and say the wrong things um, based upon what you've experienced you would have experienced the good the bad and the ugly I'm sure and so can you help us to help you and uh, people like yourself going through situations like you're going through? I want to preface that by saying that we understand everyone means well when they talk to us. Um, there's a few things that I, I just smile and just not worry too much, but sometimes it cuts a bit deep. When, particularly in the early stages, we would always have people telling us what we should do, what we should eat, who we should see, you should try this, you should try that, or go and see this doctor go. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it was their opinion and it was very aggressively given to us. I have no problem getting advice from people and people saying, have you thought about this or have you tried this or I know this helped um, so-and-so. That's fine, but some people can be very aggressive in telling you what you need to do now and what you should do. And you've got all these things going through your mind. You just don't need people being aggressive about it. Um, what I found really helpful was when people offered help, but not in a generic way. They had, they would just ring me up and say, I'm cooking a meal for you. I'm going to bring it around. You get to pick which night. And it was like, oh, no, you shouldn't, shouldn't, you don't have to do that. And I said, no, no, we're doing it. You have no choice other than what night you get it. So that's another thing. I have learnt to accept help a lot more. Um, that, that's really helpful. So when, and I'm guilty of this, I have said so often to people, oh, let me know if I can do anything. I can tell you now that person is not going to let you know. Good. Because you just, unless it's family or really close friends, who you do use up, um, you're not going, I'm, I'm not going to ring someone and just say, oh, washer needs changing, can you come around and do it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just not going to happen. So those people who actually say, this is what we're going to do for you, we're going to be there, um, and you have no choice in it, it takes the burden off yes. me. Good. It takes the burden off. So, I, I think one thing too with... When I was first diagnosed, and again, what Jean said, every, everybody's well-meaning with what they say, and they do, they're genuine. Um, but I had, I had a, quite a few people come up and they say, look, we're, we're believing for your healing, we're praying for your healing, and, and I, I always say, hey, that's fantastic. Anybody comes up and says, they're praying for me, it's like, awesome, thank you very much. But I've really come around with this healing stuff that the Bible talks about healing, 
but does it actually say when you're going to be healed? And I really, you look at so many people and, you, and people die well before when you think they're supposed to die. And it's always this, why do people die young? And people would come up to me about healing and they'd, they'd you know, I'm, I'm believing for healing for you and I'd say, fantastic. Um, but I really come around to thinking, well, why, why is it that some people get healed and other people don't? And it's not a, I don't see it as a lack of faith. I think it's, it's more the fact that sometimes God's got to use our circumstances to actually reach other people. And if we all just got healed and we all live comfortable lives, what sort of witness are we to other people? And I, I look at it with the healing. One, one day I'll be healed. I'll either be healed in this life or when I enter eternity, I'll be healed. So... So when it, I've really had my eyes open to healing and I, I really believe that sometimes God, James, the first chapter of James talks about going through things and going through trials and, and it's all for building us up, but it's also for learning and developing and, you know, it, when I actually talk to people now and, I, and I'm, you know, with my condition that I've got, people actually listen and they're quite happy to actually let you talk about things and be pretty open about things and talk about the Lord. And if I, if I got healed, look, there'd probably be some people who would go, wow, that, that's amazing. And look, if I woke up tomorrow morning and I was healed, that would be fantastic. You know, I, I would take it. But, <laughs> but I think, think sometimes there's, there's more to the big picture Good. that we don't actually understand. Yeah. And if, if going through this actually helps other people to come to the Lord, I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't... Now, I pray and say, God, yes, heal me if, if, that's, if that's your will. But, and I know God's will is to heal us and I will be healed one day. But sometimes we've just got to come to the point where we've got to actually understand that there's a bigger picture. And sometimes... And again, I had a real revelation about um, um, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And I, God just spoke to me and he said... That, that is so true. It doesn't mean that what I'm going through is good for me for right now, but God will take every single part of what I'm going through and he will make it good. But sometimes I think we're too quick to, you know, um, get, yeah, ju just get really agitated that things aren't going well in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's be a lot of people here tonight that things aren't going well in your life. But... The fact is that with God, um, we, we've talked about this with people and we've said, we've either got two choices. We either, don't, we either drop our bundle and think, you know what, God, we don't want to know you anymore, or you go the opposite way and, go, and you get closer to God. Yeah. And that's what's happened with us, is we've actually grown with our marriage and with uh, how things are going with us is just, it's amazing. We, we've grown, you know, big time just over the last year or so. Can I ask you, Jean, it's okay for Greg to sit here and tell us, hey, you know, God's using this and if I don't get healed, how do you navigate that and how do you assimilate with that? I understand that there's a bigger and bigger picture, a greater purpose, and when I see the difference and influence he's having on so many people, we have dozens of people now in our life that we never knew before, um, and from all sorts of backgrounds, because this disease strikes anybody 
Um, yes, there's not many people with it, but the people that we meet now, we would never have met, ever. And um, so it is exciting sometimes, but, yeah, I, 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 when I was actually reading back in my journal, I actually wrote, and I, I don't know if this is bad, but I actually wrote at the beginning, I don't, I just have a gut feeling he's not going to get healed, but God's going to use this somehow. And I don't know how, but we're in it for the ride and we want to do it with him. We're not going to run the other way. So it's just, and I, and I said, I hope, in brackets, I put, I hope I'm wrong, but <laughs> I just, just, that's yeah, I, how I, I too. <laughs> I, yeah. And I don't think, it wasn't that I had a lack of faith, it's just that I felt like there was a, a bigger mission field out there. And, and, you know, some of the people, we have actually just been to our first motor neuron funeral and that was confronting, interesting, great in that she was a Christian, um, but there's so many people with it who are not and they're our mission field. It's wonderful. It's so inspiring. I could talk to you guys forever. We love you dearly, we really do. I wonder if, by way of a parting comment from both of you, What's one thing you would like to say, given the fact you could say whatever you want tonight, what was one thing you'd like to leave the people of Victory Church and all those visiting tonight with? Um, personally, what I've really found with, with myself is I'm always now looking for opportunities to share God's love with people. And it's really opened my eyes to um, really, when you get opportunities, actually taking the opportunity and it might be just about sitting down with someone and having a coffee and just chatting I think sometimes we we feel like we've just got to go in and witness and really put you know put people under the pump about it but I've found that building relationships with people being real with people is is where we're actually seeing people's lives changed and just a very quick story is uh, a friend of mine that I catch up with um every month or so for coffee and he was talking about how he's retired and he's at his church and he was they go and do a, a day of volunteering every um every week and he was there and they rocked up this day and that some kids had graffitied the um one of the walls and so he was he said how he you know yelled out this kid walked past a bit of a laugh and 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 he sort of yelled out and oh if i catch the person look out and all this sort of thing and I I just said to him what about if you actually turn that around and instead of thinking about this kid that you know possibly he did it or whatever I said why don't you look at um, what if that kid walks past again they start to build a relationship and reach out to the kid and just keep an eye out for him and then he when we just caught up a little while ago he said he said, I really took that on board. And he said, look, I haven't seen that kid recently, but he said, it's just funny how there was a couple of kids, teenage kids that would come and also do some work with the volunteers there. And he said, I just mentioned to them about coming along to youth group um, and getting involved. And they, the short of it is they're now coming along to youth. They're loving the church. They're wanting their parents to come to church. And all from a change of mindset from looking at the circumstance and going, oh, this is really annoying, to actually changing our minds to actually thinking when, 
we get opportunities. Where are there opportunities? And there, there are opportunities all the time that come our way. And that's what I'm doing now is just making the most of all the opportunities and things, things are happening, things are happening that we scratch our head and think, who are we, you know? Um, but we know that God's with us and he'll open doors um, like he is in the Motor Neuron Association with visiting people. And, and um, so any opportunities that you get, the, the world is, is messed up and it's looking for people to reach out to people. And that's what we need to do as Christians. And I just encourage everybody, make the most of the opportunities that you get because it'll have eternal rewards. Mine's not as long. Um, I just want to say that anyone who is experiencing really tough time, it's okay to retreat a little and that's all right, but just don't, don't stay there. Um, because I find by helping others, we actually help ourselves. And you just feel so much better. It doesn't mean that every day is going to be an easy walk, but um, it's just so much easier when you're trying to help others and you get to know other people too, and that's a great blessing. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 